Hello everybody. We thought that uh, today we were going to talk a little bit about um, a post which uh, Boulder Dog. Deborah Flick at Boulder Dog blog. She wrote about uh, attending Dr. Dunbar's seminar. In, um, Sweet of her to, to write about it. That's a great blog. In Denver, yeah. And uh, it was uh, very interesting to see how she... Whoa, break in! Points. We don't need you here, Break dogs. in! Dogs everywhere! <laughs> <laughs> Did you just break in? <laughs> Hi! We have some new well, stars to weigh in. Claude wants to know why you can't get in his chair. Oh, you move your why don't you move those bags and uh, dogs get Claude up there. Claude, up in your chair. Claudie, in your chair. Claude, go and sit in your chair. Hop in. Yeah, I know it's not the night time, but that's what we do. In your chair. Well, jump. Good there boy. You go. Shut this the door, Jamie. Oh, we'll keep it going. What about this one? Oh, there's there Claude. There he goes. Oh, yeah. Claude, your butt's kind of bent up today. Hey, Claude. Okay. <laughs> Back to us. That's Jamie's seat. I think you need the camera level. It looks like we've had an earthquake. Yeah. Well, we have had a bit of an earthquake. Okay. It's really Dunequake. Think the whole thing is the whole thing has gone wonky now. Yeah. Monkey off. Oh, who's... oh good lord! This is so embarrassing. High tech. Okay. There's only two of us. Turn it this way. Oh, it's because you're not here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna close this again. We were saying. Are we gonna keep doing? Can you ignore it, dude? In or out, buddy? Out, out, out. Shoot. You found us. Okay. All right, so the three of us and Claude. <laughs> yes. Which so, I like to share. Can we try that again? Uh, we're going to be talking about what, Deborah Flicks. Deborah Flicks Boulder Dog Blog mm -hmm. report on Dr. Dunbar's science based dog training with feeling seminar. Mm -hmm. The one in Denver, yeah. Yes, she, um, I said Denver Dog Blog, yeah, the one in Denver. She is doing a series of posts on All right. this. And I thought it was very interesting to, uh, obviously I've heard a lot about uh, the content from the horse's mouth, but it was interesting to hear. <laughs> That's a very attractive way of putting it, Jamie. From, yes. uh, from the oracle itself. Uh, but it was interesting to kind of see what she took from it. And, you know, what the, the top points and most interesting things that she saw were. And it seemed like, for the most part, uh, what you were, what, you know, I heard from you, I feel like came through from her, you know, it seems like well, the message good. got across. Yeah, Deborah was typing away the whole time, so mm -hmm. I was dying to see what she was typing. Well, <laughs> so she says that uh, her list of the top five issues, yeah. in no particular order, um, and this is for what is kind of generating the most discussion uh, among trainers, was first of, first of all, repeating cues until the dog offers the behavior. Sit, for example. That yeah, that's that's. Seems like you knew that was going to be. A yeah, it's a biggie, and it's something that, for years, I struggled with myself how to explain it. But now I, I, it's really becoming clear. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult, though, for trainers to accept. A, a learning theorist thinks you know that you're denaturing the cue, that it's learned irrelevance, and of course, that was the big no-no of leash training. You could never repeat the command. They. That was like the most, the biggest crime you could commit, mm -hmm. and so it, it it really does generate a lot of discussion. But the nitty gritty is, it works. Mm -hmm. It works, and and I went to all of my heroes, in, in the fields of dog training and and learning theory to ask them about this, and um, to ask them whether they had tried it, how how they could define it, 
mm -hmm. because it, it does fly in the face of conventional learning theory, mm -hmm. which then of course made me question the whole notion of our learning theory, which of course comes from computers training animals in cages, mm -hmm. animals with no options, which is very different when people train dogs, which have all sorts of options. They can just run away and say, no, you right. train yourself on your own. And so, and so I, I realized we have to go through learning theory and, and sort of redo it, if you like, learning theory redux for when we use our voice in training. It just changes mm -hmm. the playing field. Well, it seems like we have to right, redo it entirely for real world situations. We need to take some of the scientific um, process and apply it to the laboratory that is people's homes. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and what this is about is, I mean, we have a lot of reward-based methods which, um, Claude, don't lick your paw. Claude, hey, good boy. No, please don't lick your paw. Good boy. That's a good dog. Um, I mean, that's a great example of what I'm talking about. You know, the, the notion is, in the laboratory, punishment was nasty because the only way a computer could punish was by using shock. Mm -hmm. When we use our words, just like then, we have inhibited the behavior and now eliminated it for the time being. Maybe we should explain to our viewers Which, what was going on over there. Claude was licking a, a sort of wound on his leg and, and we wanted him to stop it, and he's nibbling at it which is going to make it worse. But so if we have inhibited and eliminated the behavior that is the technical definition of punishment. Mm -hmm. Yet we did it with our voice and we didn't even raise our voice. We certainly didn't have to zap or smack or... Yeah, no, it's because with our voice we can deliver so much oh more God. information you know, instead of, we just say, hey, don't do that, or get a cone, mm -hmm. or something like that, and then there's a good dog, and we can give an analog feedback, we, a range of good boy, good dog, good dog, mm -hmm. or hey, please don't do that, stop it, mm -hmm. a little insistence, and dogs are just masters at interpreting all the innuendo and, and the nuances of our speech. The, mm -hmm. the, I don't think they understand language, although we can teach them the meaning of many words, but what you're doing when you say that word and the way you say the word makes the dog's brain say, Brr, no, she doesn't mean it. Mm -hmm. I will continue doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it, it's fascinating. The, the repeating the cue thing is, I think, the most fascinating thing in dog training. And of course, it's only a process. The, the end point is, you very quietly say Rover sit and he sits following a single command mm -hmm. and even right from the beginning we insist on this right. if you repeat the cue to the dog and you say Rover sit 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 you then say thank you step back now the dog has to repeat the exercise so right from the beginning the dog always has to sit following a single request to get back to life as dog, you know, nose right. like so sniffing away. What does Deborah say about this point? Does she say she, anything about the point here? She's going to talk about it in the future. It's her number one, I think, issue that. Uh, I think she, uh, was, she was just making bullet points from the talk. She okay, so what else did she find to be the, the most. Let's go through the five points. The most. Uh, generating the most discussion amongst trainers. Well, first, I think that maybe I didn't fully fix the frame, so I'm going to take a step well, up there. We can all lean. If we all lean <laughs> slightly to the left. I realize this isn't like, this isn't an eye whoops, this is only like a five minute thing. Oh, well, yeah. good lord, no, no one oh. told me that. No, oh, I thought you <laughs> This is our Q&A mailbag. That's why it's okay for me to informally come up here also why it and fix the frame. Because you're going to edit it. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. That's <laughs> okay. Wait, maybe, maybe yeah. we'll edit it, maybe we won't. <laughs> 
I feel like that's still okay. not quite anyway. The point is these are short form. Yeah. Point two. Questions. Point two. Moving along. Yeah. Point two was I didn't realize I thought we were doing a mega eye wolf series. No. Like, no, no. All right, I'll listen. I won't say anything. I promise. Well, there's a medium ground. <laughs> is there? Is Punishment. There? <laughs> point two. Point two. Punishment in the operate conditioning sense of the word is necessary to train reliable behaviors. By that I mean you have to, at times, inhibit or eliminate certain behaviors. You just sounded like Catherine Hepburn but when you answered that question. What? Or Nixon, by that I mean. <laughs> I would prefer Spencer Tracy. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yes, there are some behaviors. You can train an awful lot by rewarding the dog for doing things that are right, but ultimately when it comes to the dog dashing out the door that's left open, dashing into the street, or not sitting when asked to, uh, we have to now enforce. But my point is, it can still be friendly. Mm -hmm. and, and by doing this process, the repetitive cue process, the dogs eventually learn, oh, if I sit immediately, I get to go back play immediately. Oh, right. Just like you mentioned with Claude, who is, by the way, licking his little wound again. Claudie. Claude! No. Hey, hey, Claude! Thank you. Yes. Claudie, no. Good boy. Yes. Lie there quiet. Second example. You can be a part of this as long as you're good. Good boy, Claude. He's really processing that information, you can tell. Uh, I wish we had another camera that we could use <laughs> okay, for a cutaway. Alright, point number three. Point number three. Let's cut to the chase. Feedback to, to the dog should always be binary, binary and emotional. Binary, yes. Emotional, no. I would say analog, that we have a great range. I would say analog and instructive. Well, actually, the two points kind of go together. Why don't you read yeah. three and four? Right. So feedback should be binary and emotional. Reinforcement is number four. Should be analog, differential, and emotional. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't use the word emotional. I don't know how that crept in. I think well, it's, it's her own interpretation. Yes, I know. Of, you know. Well, I, know. I, I, I think, think it's from the title of the seminar, which is Science-Based Dog Training with Feeling. I think that's where the emotion. The, the feeling bit was, um, let's be science-based, but we can still be kind to our dog and develop well, a emotion. relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, then emotions of love. But I mean, I don't want emotive feedback like, you know, shit down, you horrible dog. That the emotions We, we want to be rational. We want to be uh, clear, calm. Clear binary feedback that is both instructive and it's analog in the sense that we can not only tell the dog you're getting it right or wrong, but also how well you're doing, mm -hmm. or how dangerous the, the undesirable behavior would be. Right. So there's the plus side and the minus side, and then all in between, there's a great spectrum of how far along you are. Absolutely, be. yeah. But emotion in the sense of, at the end of the session, I really love you, dog, and a big kiss on the head. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Right, right. Putting, yeah. uh, putting love into your praise, that yeah. sort of stuff. Really meaning it. And point number five, luring is the fastest and easiest way to get behaviors. No, uh, I would say it's the fastest way to put a behavior on cue. Mm. The advantage of luring is we can predict exactly when the behavior is going to come on the very first trial. And so from the very first trial, we can precede the behavior with a request or command and then follow up with a reward. Mm -hmm. So it's not the fastest way to sort of get a behavior, but it's certainly the quickest way to get the behavior on cue. Well, sometimes it is, is the fastest way to get the behavior. I mean, if you're going to... That is true. I mean, yeah, I mean, to depends. delete what I just said, you're absolutely right. It's the fastest way to get the behavior because... Otherwise, you're something... waiting for it to happen. Yeah, otherwise we could right. be waiting for a dog or to lie down. It. Whereas if we're luring it, he's going to be lying down within half a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Right. And it's important to remember that the luring is just the first step in getting the behavior. Yeah. Once they know what the behavior is. Yeah, so I agree. These are five really, you know, crucial issues about, you know, what I was chatting about. Mm -hmm. It's always good to know when you get feedback that the person who's giving you the feedback was actually in the same lecture that you were when you were giving it. Right. <laughs> no, because sometimes I, I get feedback and I think, well, who Which, were you listening right. to? <laughs> it's not, where were you? It's who were you listening to? Mm -hmm. you know? Well, do you have her second, her second post? Is that true? I do, the second post. Although, I also like what she so, said about, um, she says in her other life as a communication consultant, uh, she looks at what, what she does as being uh, focused on dialogue. And her definition of dialogue being listening to understand where someone else is coming from. And so um, the, the important thing about that is you're taking, you're putting the energy on someone else. You are actively thinking about things from their perspective. Whereas all of us so quickly fall into, um, well, I mean, it is our perspective. It's not that we're falling, you know, you know we <laughs> exist in our own perspective and it's easy to stay there and not think about other people's. Um, and so obviously she's doing this with people interacting with other humans, but you know where we come from as trainers is, you know, we always got to be thinking about how is this actually being understood. You know, not just what we're trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's at the root of why you know being a good dog trainer can make you a better person. You know. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I think it's um, often. The assumption is, you know, that when we when we listen, we often it goes through our filter, mm -hmm. and what is said is interpreted to the way you know, to, so it meets with what we think. But also, when we give out information, we really have to remember that the the people we're talking to aren't getting what we're saying. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember, it's sort of classic examples. If you teach jazz up and settle down, you still have to teach when you would use this. Mm -hmm. You know, like if someone comes into the training class late, all the dogs go crazy and then the owners do nothing, even though you just taught them how to get their dogs to settle down. So you then have to say, for example, you could use this if your dog went ballistic on a walk when he right. sees another dog or people at the front door. Mm -hmm. But that's where I love the, the training style that we're trying to develop in Sirius now, that if someone asks you a question, well, they should have really got the answer from their homework. So the answer to the question is asking them to answer it. What have they understood from the teaching thus far? Mm -hmm. And if they haven't got it, then that's a problem with the teacher, not with the student. So always asking for feedback right. is, is really important. Socratic teaching method where <laughs> you, uh, you ask questions of the student to help them to, get to reason it yeah. out themselves. Yeah. You have to make sure that they, they know it because... Um, Another classic example is a veterinarian giving prescribing pills and he will say, and you know how to give pills, right? You do it like this and he plops a pill in the dog's mouth. Well, it's the only pill the dog ever gets. Right. The way you teach giving pills is, why did you give the dog the first pill here? Because I'll be here if you, need yeah. any, if you have <laughs> any trouble. If they can't do it in the vet clinic, then they can't do it at home. So you've always got to watch the owner do what you have described to them to do. Right. Make sure that they are understanding it think about what they have heard. Yes, excellent. Um, in her second post, I guess this is a series of several, she uh, talks about some of the problems with, um, with working with dog owners and uh, some of the issues that we confront as trainers. And the first one being that people are often impatient and want their results 
fast. Yesterday. Yesterday yes. they want it, yeah. yeah. And that if they don't get immediate results, they might quit. It also goes along with the dialogue um, question to a certain degree, because you, as, the, as the instructor, you must listen to people to hear what they need, what their expectations are, mm -hmm. and, and what their goals are. And granted, some of them might be unrealistic, and you may have to do some shaping. Right. If you can't just teach what you want or you think the dog needs, you need to address the issues they're having and ASAP before they get frustrated. And then do you want to punish the dog or not right. keep the dog or, or something? Yeah, I mean like that. that's huge. It's kind of like so expedience you know, is important. Listening and expedience are both really yes. important as an yes. instructor and a dog trainer. Yeah, it really it's got to be suitable. It, it, you have to be able to try it at home. And I think someone who says, right, dog should never be allowed in the bedroom. Well, that's your view as a trainer. But if the owner says to you, right, I want the dog to sleep on my bed. I just don't want him on my side of the bed. That's what you need to right. be able to teach. And as a good trainer, you should be able to you, figure out a way to set absolutely, that yeah, that the owner wants. Mm -hmm. And yeah. trying to teach that at 3 a.m. when you're already asleep is not a good training scenario. It's mm -hmm. best to do it in the afternoon when you can practice, move over, right. settle down. <laughs> so some of the other um, some of the other problems she's she noticed from your talk that you uh, said you might run into with owners. People naturally tend to look for what's wrong and punish that, rather than notice what's going well and reward that. And not just with their dogs, it's, with everybody, with each other. And with life, with themselves. I mean, think of people who are so critical about themselves, yet they do so much that's good. Right. I mean, a veterinarian who saves life after life and then maybe makes a boo-boo and an animal dies and they crucify themselves for that. I mean, we all make mistakes. Right. But it is, that would be my number one thing on the list, that people ignore the good and moan and groan at the bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, final of these preambles. Uh, most of the millions of dogs surrendered to shelters and rescues are adolescents with behavior problems, many condemned to death. And I guess the idea being that I think that these behavior problems are really uh, perfectly natural dog behaviors that are fully predictable, and that if uh, you know owners aren't prepared to train them, that they shouldn't be coming as a surprise. Well, and they are preventable. The whole thing is they're predictable and preventable. So, and they should the prevention should start at the breeders, then the first month at home, first couple of months at home. So, I mean, the big thing about the, the first day of the seminar is pointing out those problems which shouldn't exist. And to me, behavior problems shouldn't exist, and dogs being scared or unfriendly to people. It's so easy to teach a dog to like people. Mm -hmm. It is, however, very difficult to teach a dog to be friendly to all dogs, and that can be a challenge, especially with a boy dog, and especially a boy dog with ghoulies. That is going to be a challenge for the first three years of the dog's life. Mm -hmm. But there's no excuse to have dogs which are unfriendly to people. And uh, we could eliminate it so early on with neonatal handling, puppy parties in the home, handling, 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 handling. Mm -hmm. And then like the filming we did yesterday is a great example of that. I mean, we had some wild and woolly dog behavior we there. We did a workshop with adolescent dogs, a puppy too yeah. workshop. So there, there's some sparky dog-dog stuff which you'll soon see on a DVD. But all of those dogs there were so cool with people. They were mm -hmm. so friendly to people, and that, that's what made me proud that, hey, these are serious dogs, you know, that they're not going to be putting people in hospital. Right. Um, but the dog-dog stuff is a challenge, and, and the major reason why we take the good for granted when they're five months old and six months old, no one thinks of classically conditioning a dog-dog friendly 
you know, little puppy. Mm -hmm. But we know it's just a month away before their first snarky fest, you know, <laughs> and, and that sort of stuff. So classical conditioning can prevent it, but it still is a workout. It still yeah. is a workout. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to... Oh, Hugo's, Hugo's trying to break oh, that's in Hugo. now. We're, no, we're here, kid. So given all of those, um, all those obstacles with uh, people's expectations, then what we have to do, apparently, is to teach people to train their dogs in a way that is easy, efficient, enjoyable, expedient, and efficacious. 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 Meaning without negative side effects. Yeah, like a dog jumps up and you whack him over the head, he's not going to jump up again, but now he hates you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's not the technique you would use. But I think of the, you know, quick and easy are really important. It's got to be easy, time efficient, or else the owners won't do it. Right. And user-friendly. I mean, we, you know, one of our earlier things, we talked about the little boy who needs to control the, you know, the German Shepherd puppy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got to be training that the whole family can employ... And, and, and utilize. And, and that's the expediency part that I think a lot of trainers, for, they underestimate their own expertise. And, and what is so easy for them is so, not just difficult, impossible for a lot of people. Right. And so they don't see it from the people's point of view. And, and this is where our latest addition to our pack really gave me a lot of compassion um, for someone who has an adolescent over-the-top dog mm -hmm. and I thought wow you know if they didn't have the knowledge we had I mean they would be lost right I mean seems just an unsurmountable problem dogs running around and uh, yeah well it's good to have a little humility right <laughs> yes well also it would be nice to have, you know and, and this is a, you know, an, an adoption so, you know adoption uh oh there's uh -huh. that word again I mean this is we've acquired her at you know at this age we haven't raised her so there's the foundation um, isn't necessarily there the way we would have, have put it in ourselves. But that doesn't mean she still wouldn't be a silly teenager, because she would. Oh no, but we, we, but, um, we have to deal with silly problems, like house soiling. We have to deal with that, and we shouldn't be doing that with a one-year-old dog. Right. And then, you know, mouthing our clothing when we walk by, grabbing us. And, I mean, the craziness is actually welcoming and lovely, because you think, wow, that's going to be fun training her, because you channel that into desired responses and she's going to be marvellous. Very enthusiastic. Right. At the moment, she doesn't listen. She takes off after deer poop and, you know, she's gone. Mm -hmm. But she did do great recalls yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the wonderful thing about reward training. It works and it works pretty quickly. That by and large, the dog will start to come yesterday, round. Yesterday, I couldn't lose her. We were trying to do the best no, for the yeah. recall and she's yeah. following me. I said, you have to go. <laughs> away. Well, having said that, you couldn't lose her, but it made it really difficult for me to call her, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> she, well, she's always been like my dog since we've had her, and I did always, nothing. Always, in all the three yeah. weeks. <laughs> yeah, but you, you keep moaning, oh, she likes you, she doesn't like me, so yesterday she decided she wasn't going to move from Kelly, mm -hmm. that, was, that was cool. I'm sure that's the beginning of the uh, general state of things. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> well, if, if, if I'm your favorite, well, you, you've made the wrong choice there, sweetie <laughs> pie, you know, in this household. You better tell Kelly she's the numero uno, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> if you want to have a good time here. Well, I would say it sounds like Boulder Dog did a very excellent job of taking notes and uh, reporting out to her audience. I'm looking forward to read the rest of the post, because she does mm -hmm. say she's going to tackle each of those five... Um, Points, sticky points, yeah. in individual, in individual uh, yeah. blogs. So, so all of you should go to check out Boulder Dog. Boulder Dog blog. Yes. All right. Deborah Flick. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later, guys. Bye bye.